encourage you to plan, plan next year, be a part of that. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, please, to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. I want to share with you a message I've entitled, From Disappointment to Opportunity to Appointment. And uh, it was, this was a thought that the Lord laid on my heart, actually, at Ascension. Uh, and I realized that how many of these young people that have come, or that came to that, had disappointments in their lives. They were disappointed with a whole variety of things. And because of that experience, they left there having experienced an appointment with God. And that's what I want to share with you today. I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Uh, but uh, if you'll turn to your Bible and take a look with me at uh, Paul's letter to the Thessalonians in uh, chapter 4, verse 13, here's what Paul says. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we, will, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. We've celebrated Easter, and, you know, that's a great day. It's a great day of celebration, and uh, it's when all the CEOs come to church. Christmas and Easter only people. Um, see if you're paying attention. But there's life after Easter. Things happen after Easter is over. Jesus had some other work to do before he would ascend on into heaven. And as I thought about that, I realized that, that one, of the, one of the tools of the enemy that he uses every single day is this power of disappointment. How many of you have ever been disappointed by something? If you haven't, you're either visiting from another planet or you haven't been born yet. Um, but life is filled with disappointments. Our work disappoints us. The church sometimes disappoints us. Our family disappoints us. Our parents, our mother, our father uncles, aunts, whoever, grandparents. Our children sometimes disappoint us. Our teachers disappoint us. Our bosses disappoint us. It, you know, life is filled with disappointment all the time. Now, here's the option. Here, I, we have two options here. Number one, we can, we can deal with disappointment the way the world does. Men that have no hope, as Paul puts it, they deal with it this way. They allow disappointment to become criticism. And then from criticism, they move to anger. And from anger, they move to destruction. And you've got to understand with me that this process is very real. Because I've been disappointed before in my life. And I've allowed myself to fall into this trap. You become critical. Well, why did that happen to me? So now we become, and if we let that stew long enough, we become angry. Then we start breaking things, or people, depends on whoever, whatever's close by. 
But why is it that people steal and rob and, and kill and do the things that they do? It's because they have been disappointed by, by life. Something has disappointed them to the point where now they believe that they are victims. And now they become critical, and that criticism moves to anger, and that anger moves to destruction. And they don't care anymore about anything. The men that broke into the Allens' home, they were disappointed somewhere in their lives. And as a result, they became destructive. Well, how do we change that? Jesus came into a world filled with disappointment. The Jewish people had been under the, under the, the thumb of the Romans, and they were very disappointed. They were critical. They were angry. What are, what are we going to do? And Jesus comes along now with a new message. And here's the message Jesus brings. Here's the message that we need to encourage one another with. When we face disappointment, when we come at it from a Christian perspective, we begin to look at it as this is now an opportunity to have an appointment with God. It changes everything. The life of Abraham disappointments and yet he discovered that if he allowed as he allowed God into his life the opportunities became amazing he fathered a nation Moses disappointments Moses unfortunately allowed disappointment to become to to cause him not to get into the promised land he got angry and what did he do he struck the rock instead of speaking to it and God said I'm sorry because of that action, you're not getting into the promised land. And it was because of disappointment and criticism and anger and destruction that an entire generation of Israelites never made it into the promised land. And instead of, instead of seeing the things that faced them as opportunities for them to grow and develop and become part of, of what God wanted them to do and, and get to have that appointment with God, they became destructive and they lost everything. It is... The enemy is so subtle and so deceptive. And you have, to, you have to grab this thing at the throat when it comes your way. And understand, I refuse to become critical. I refuse to become angry. I refuse to do that. We have that option. We need to exercise that option. Paul tells us here that we have a great hope to look forward to. There's nothing that could happen to you in this world that, that is worth giving up heaven for. Amen? I want, you to, I want to tell you some couple of stories here about, about appointments. Or, first of all, about disappointment. When I was about 10 years old, I, uh, I got up early one morning. I got my baseball glove. I got on my bicycle. and my ba I had my baseball bat and my ball. and I was headed for baseball tryouts. I rode... Actually, quite a distance. I rode to go to tryouts. And I got out there with all these other guys, and, and I was trying out for the baseball team, and I was so excited. I was so pumped. I had practiced. I had played baseball for several couple of years already around our home and, you know, sandlot type stuff. And, man, I was excited. I'm going to make this team no problem. I'm surprised they're even going to bother with the tryout. They probably just look at me and go, hey, Freddie, come on in, man. You're in. Well, it didn't quite work that way. I got out there and I got so nervous, I was missing ground balls, and I was missing fly balls, and I was missing pitches, and I was, it just wasn't working. And then at the end of the tryouts, they started calling off names, and everybody's name got called except for Freddie Job. Freddie Job did not get called, along with a few other kids. So I had to get back on my bicycle, and I had to take my baseball glove and my baseball bat and my baseball, and I had to ride back home. 
And I cried all the way home. I remember this. It was so vivid. I thought I'm going to kill baseball people. No, I, I didn't. No. I'm kidding. But I rode home, and I, and I realized that, you know what? They just told me I wasn't good enough. I just, I just, I don't, I can't be on the team. I don't, I don't count. Sorry. You're out. But then I, as I thought back on that story this morning and I began to realize something, you know what? That was the year that I ended up going to kids camp. I'd never been before. And that was the year that I came forward and accepted Christ as my Savior. And as I think back to it, had I made the baseball team, I would, I'd have never gone to kids' camp. I'd have been busy. So God understood that in my disappointment, he had an appointment waiting. He had something that was going to make a difference. And after, you know, after I got saved, I still played baseball. I got, on, I got on plenty of teams after that, and I played, and I had great fun, and it was good, and so on and so forth. But you see... I, began, I realized something in, the, in that process, and I've discovered something in my own life that if I, if I see the disappointments of life as an opportunity that God has allowed to come my way to bring me to an appointment with him, how many of you pray, find it easy to pray when everything's going great? That's awesome, good, should be praised. How many of you find it easier to pray when you're having a problem? Right? Most of, us, most of us pray when, you know, things are not going so well. You know? If I'm late and I'm in the car and I'm trying to get somewhere and there's traffic, I pray. <laughs> in Jesus' name, disappear, cars! And then God sends more cars. I don't understand that. <laughs> the traffic slows down even more. So uh, patience, yes. God, I don't want patience. Patience you know, tribulation brings patience. I want to skip tribulation. I'm not into that. I don't like that stuff. I don't want patience. Or if I have to have patience, give it to me now. <laughs> yeah, sure, no problem. But you see, people with hope understand the power of appointments with God. That appointment for salvation was very important to me. At the age of 12, uh, I, I kept another appointment that was extremely powerful. And that was getting baptized. I remember, you know, walking, you know, with a bunch of other kids, and we were going to get baptized. That was totally awesome. And I walked down into the tank and, you know, got to, went under the water, came back out. That was an important appointment because I made a public declaration of my faith in Christ, and that was very powerful. Uh, I don't know if any of you have seen that video of the other, this little kid is going to get baptized. He's probably 10 or 12 or whatever. But uh, the pastor's in the, in the baptismal tank and says, okay, come on in. And he comes flying across the back and does a cannonball right into the baptismal tank. And I'm thinking, why didn't I think of that? That would have been so, I'd have been famous or dead, one of the two. My, yeah, I, I don't even want to imagine what my parents would have done with that little event. But baptism was, again, an appointment that I had with God. And it was very powerful. Then at the age of 14, I was at a youth camp in Michigan. And uh, I remember uh, the, the preacher that night. In fact, I still am in contact with him. His name is Chuck Meppelink. He's still around. 
And he preached a message on the power of the blood of Christ. And a friend of mine went forward to pray. And I went up and began to pray for him. And I just felt this amazing burden for him. And I began to just pour my heart out to God and pray for him. The next thing I remember is getting up off the floor. God had filled me with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I had been laying, praying in tongues for two hours. When I finally got up, everybody else was gone. There was one woman that stayed with me. And I walked out of there just drunk in the spirit. It was incredible. And it was, it was like that much time had gone by. You see, when you have an appointment with God and he wants to talk to you, time stops. Time goes away. And for two hours, the Lord just, it was me and God, just, just, I can't even describe it. And I believe that it was at that point that God put his hand on my heart, on my life, so that that, that appointment was going to affect me for the rest of my life. But at that time, I still wanted to be a doctor. Because I wanted to make a lot of money and drive fancy cars and live in a nice house. That was my calling. It wasn't God's calling, but it was my calling. And so I went on to college. I went on to the University of Michigan. And again, in pre-med, I, I had all this planned out. Then my sophomore year, another appointment came. I, got, I was very disappointed by some things that had happened in college. I was just struggling with some of my classes. And I just, I, you know, I was, God, what's going on here? And instead of becoming critical and angry and destructive, I, became, I saw this as an opportunity to just really get, really let God speak to my heart. And we had someone visit our youth group one night, who was from Trinity Divinity School, and he spoke, it was like God said, you're going to go there to get your master's degree. God, they don't offer medic medicine there. I know, you're not going to be a doctor. What? No. So I had to keep another appointment. I, call, I contacted the academic counselor, and I said, I need, uh, you know, I need to change my major. He says, really, to what? I said, I want to do religious studies. I want to go to seminary. Well, that'll, that'll pay. That'd be big money in that. Good, good choice. It doesn't matter. This is what I got to do. So then I had to go home to my parents and tell them that God had changed my mind, changed my plans. And at that time, I was dating Linda. So I had to call Linda and say, honey, uh, you know, about that doctor business ain't going to happen. I'm going to become a pastor. And she had the nerve to tell me on the phone, well, you know what? I knew God. I, I, already, knew, I, already, I already thought I'd probably marry a pastor. What? Why couldn't you have told me that earlier? It would have made the decision simpler. But that appointment changed my life. It changed my direction. It changed God's calling. It was like a weight had been lifted off, and I, re I realized that, that my disappointment turned into an opportunity for me to understand that I needed an appointment with God. And that appointment transformed my life from that moment forward. And then... And then in 1985, I had another appointment. The pastor I was working with in Chicago, Dave Robinson, had said, uh, you know what, Christian Life College is out in Mount Prospect. Uh, they're looking for someone to teach a youth ministry class. You should call them. So I contacted the college, and I asked them. I came in. I had an interview with, I believe, Pastor Merrill at that time. He was president. And... Uh, 
And they, you know, they accepted my resume, et cetera. I had a master's degree at that time. I'd been te- I had taught in a Christian school in Indiana. And God opened up the door for me to come to Christian Life College. It's been almost 32 years. I really need to get a real job someday. But I've, I've got, because of that appointment, God provided so many things. I've ministered to hundreds, yea, maybe probably over thousands of students in the 32 years I've been here. Why? Because I refuse to allow disappointment to turn to criticism, to turn to anger, to turn to destruction. I allow disappointment to become the driving force that moved me into opportunity, and I found out that I needed an appointment with God. And when we follow God's appointments, amazing things happen. The woman with the issue of blood is a great story. This poor lady, her life was a disappointment. Day in and day out. All of her money spent on doctors. For what? For nothing. She could have become very critical, angry, to the point of even committing suicide. But instead, she allowed her disappointment to become an opportunity to have an appointment with Jesus. And she fought her way through that crowd, grabbed the hem of his garment, instantly healed. That's amazing to me. That's powerful. That's exciting. Each one of you has a story. Each one of you, when you leave here today, the enemy may do something to try to disappoint you. You know what your response to him will be? Shut up and get out of the way. Take a seat, bother somebody that cares. Because I don't care. I just sat through an appointment with God and God reminded me how much he loves me and how much he, he, he understands that disappointments come. And even John and Marge, the, uh, that whole situation down there, that was dis- that's, that's a disappointment. God, what was going on? Why didn't you stop him at the gate? I, don't, I can't answer that question. But what I can answer that in the midst of that, rather than becoming critical and angry and destructive, they saw that as an opportunity to reach out to other people to pray and allow God's appointment to then resupply them with computers and, and income and, and help and so on and strength and healing. And so now we look back and that test becomes a testimony. And that's what I'm trying to share with you this morning. Paul says at the end of this passage of Scripture, he says, therefore, encourage each other with these words. Every disappointment on this planet is an opportunity for us to reach into someone else's life and help them find their appointment with God. The stories that that our youth told, the man in black, his back broken or something. But this young boy just came up and prayed for him, ended up healing him. In fact, Chris Estrada went on to say, yeah, he said, hey man, do something you've never been able to do before. So he's going like this, he's going up and down and starts to cry and just, you know, what did you do? No, you just had an appointment with God, dude. You just had an appointment with God. God help us to schedule these appointments with him on a regular basis. 
Amen? God, give us these appointments every day. There's an old song. Of course, I'm 65. That's all the songs I know. <laughs> but it goes like this. Oft times the day seems long, our trials hard to bear. We're tempted to complain, to murmur and despair. But Christ will soon appear to catch his bride away. All tears forever over in God's eternal day. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race, till we see Christ. Stand with me, will you, as I sing the chorus one more time. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. It's going to happen. I'm not making this up. Paul said it. I believe it. That's good enough for me. Encourage one another with these words. When someone comes up to you and says, hey, how you doing? Say, I'm ready. Ready? Ready for what? I'm ready to go to heaven. Want to come? Like today? No. Not sure. I have, you know, I have people sometimes say, Pastor Fred, will you sing at my funeral? And I'll always say, yeah, when is it? <laughs> I don't know that. We don't know that. I don't know what day Christ is going to return. But we have got to start encouraging one another with these words. We just got to do it. And it'll work. How do I know that? Because this works. This works. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Father, in the name above every name again we pray. We thank you, Lord, for, for the fact that God, as Christians, we, we live life differently. Lord, we are not men or women without hope. We have a hope that is so powerful and so ingrained in us. And so, Father, in that hope, I thank you, I praise you, I honor you. Father, protect us from the enemy. When he comes in like a flood to try to give us disappointment and then criticism and anger and destruction, God, in its place, Father, when disappointments come, and they will, Lord, help us to realize we've just been given an opportunity to have an appointment with you. And to know you is to know life eternal, and we thank you for that. We praise you for it. 
and we go out of here now letting people know that we are ready. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Enjoy the beautiful weather. Hallelujah.